0: Coronary artery bypass graft known as CABG cabbage is still the most commonly performed cardiac surgical procedure worldwide with roughly 1 million procedures annually. We've seen in the previous episodes of Cardiovasc that the cardiac surgical community was not happy with the latest ACC AHA guidelines on coronary revascularization. Surgeons believed that cabbage was unfairly downgraded in some historically solid surgical indications. However, these guidelines still have got lots to say on the performance of cabbage. So let's see what does the new ACC AHA document recommend on the optimal performance of coronary artery bypass graft cabbage. Hi everyone, my name is Hossein Heshmet. I'm an interventional cardiologist and a professor of cardiology. Welcome to my podcast, CardioBuzz. If you are a doctor or a healthcare provider and you're interested in cardiology, we're here to provide you with brief and focused updates on cardiology trials, products, and guidelines. And we're still continuing our episodes on ACC AHA guidelines on coronary revascularization. And this episode is all about cabbage. We will talk about the optimal performance of coronary bypass, the medical aspects and the surgical aspects in the coming few minutes. First, the medical aspects. How do we handle medications in patients who are going for coronary artery bypass graft? Patients are always referred from cardiology to cardiac surgery on antiplatelets, and this can increase the chances of bleeding. So what should be ideally done with antiplatelets before cabbage? For aspirin, it's recommended to continue until the time of surgery, and this can help reduce ischemic events. So aspirin should not be stopped before coronary bypass grafting. What about P2Y12 inhibitors? Well, they are different. Clopidogrel is better stopped five days before cabbage. Ticagrelor three days before cabbage, and Prasugrel seven days before cabbage to reduce major bleeding and blood transfusion. This applies, of course, for elective cases. But what about those who need urgent cabbage? In that situation, clopidogrel and ticagrelor should be discontinued for at least 24 hours before surgery to reduce major bleeding complications. Short-acting glycoprotein 2B3A inhibitors like aptifibatide and terofiban should be stopped 4 hours before cabbage, while abseximab, Because it's an antibody and it has a longer half life, it should be stopped 12 hours before surgery to reduce the risk of bleeding and transfusion. We have also other therapies that can be used in the perioperative period to prevent complications, and these are beta blockers and amiodarone. Beta blockers, if not contraindicated, should be given before surgery because they can reduce the incidence of post-operative atrial fibrillation, they can reduce the in-hospital and the 30-day mortality. They may also prevent acute post-operative myocardial ischemia, stroke, acute kidney injury or ventricular arrhythmia. They get class 2 because the studies that showed the benefit had some issues in the design. The same applied to pre-operative amyodorone. It still gets class 2A to reduce the incidence of post-operative atrial fibrillation. Prevention of sternal wound infections is extremely important and insulin infusion is recommended in patients with diabetes for this particular indication. An intraoperative continuous insulin infusion should be initiated to maintain serum glucose level below 180 mg per deciliter, but not to go below 140 mg. Insulin targeting these levels results in reduction of adverse events, particularly deep sternal wound infection and this gets class 1, and it should be part of a comprehensive approach to reduce sternal wound infections. Now let's dive deeper into surgical issues, the grafts. Which patient gets which graft? Who gets internal memory, who gets radial artery, and who gets venous grafts? The best graft that we know is the internal memory artery. This is the glory of cabbage, and this is the gold standard against which all other forms of revascularization are competing against, and it has the longest durability ever. Preferably the left internal memory, the lima, should be used to bypass the LED when bypassing the LED is indicated. This is known to improve survival and reduce recurrent ischemic events, and it gets class 1. However, there should be a word of caution when we using bilateral internal memory, This should be done by experienced operators and it can be beneficial in some patients to improve the long-term cardiac outcome and this gets class 2. Why did they get class 2 not class 1? Because they can be associated with increased risk of sternal infection and this should be considered during the pre-operative planning. The second best graft is the radial artery, and it is recommended over in preference to saphenous vein graft, conduit, to graft the second most important significantly stenosed non-LED vessel to improve the long-term cardiac outcomes. But to derive the best benefit from the radial artery, the following factors must be considered. The radial artery must be used as a free aorto-coronary graft. The radial graft should be used to treat vessels with critical sub-occlusive stenosis not with moderate lesions. And is preferably used in patients younger than 75 years and better in women. Oral calcium channel blockers should be used in the first post-operative year after radial artery grafting to avoid spasm. There is a need to objectively assess the palmar arch and the ulnar compression test before harvesting the radial artery. It's better to use the arm with the best ulnar compensation for radial artery occlusion. Avoid using the radial artery after transradial catheterization and avoid using the radial artery in patients with chronic kidney disease with high likelihood of rapid progression to hemodialysis. Saphenous <music> vein grafts are the last preferred conduit it's better to use an endoscopic saphenous vein harvest technique in patients at risk of wound complications using a no-touch saphenous vein harvest technique in patients at low risk of wound complications. The last graft that is rarely used is the right gastroepiploic artery and this can be used to graft the right coronary artery in patients again with critical stenosis if the operator is experienced with the use of this gastroepiploic artery. The next question on the surgical technique is how to handle the aorta. We know that there has been a clear association between aortic atherosclerosis and stroke in patients undergoing cabbage. The gold standard now to detect aortic atherosclerosis is epiaortic ultrasound, and it is superior to surgical palpation and is superior to transesophageal echo. Therefore, the routine use of epiaortic ultrasound scanning is recommended to evaluate the presence and location of plaques in the ascending aorta to reduce the incidence of atheroembolic complications and epiaortic ultrasound scanning gets class 2A in the guidelines In patients with significant calcification in the aorta techniques to avoid aortic manipulation like off-pump or beating hearts are reasonable to decrease the incidence of perioperative stroke again when performed by experienced surgeons and it gets class 2A This takes us to off-pump coronary artery bypass. We know it has been associated with earlier extubation and reduced need for transfusion with the potential to reduce aortic manipulation. But the difficulty in bypassing the circumflex and the intramyocardial segments may result in tendency to fewer grafts and incomplete revascularization with concerns about long-term patency. That's why off-pump gets class 2B indication in patients with significant pulmonary disease, again when performed by experienced surgeons. That was all for this short episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the content, please follow us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts to get notified with the next episode. And please rate the show from 1 to 5 and stay tuned. See you.